for it. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Can you be partly pregnant? Have you ever heard of someone being partly pregnant? Well, the Supreme Court is having to make a decision concerning that and was hearing oral arguments today concerning the issue of abortion. It's a supreme decision that they are about to make to perhaps undo a previous supreme decision that was so absolutely illegally made, contrary to the very purpose and standards of the Supreme Court, its constitutional purposes, that it has been an embarrassment to the world ever since. It was called Roe versus Wade. And it was entered into in 1973. Harry Blackman was the author of the decision. And he confessed that the decision was based on unknown factors. Harry Blackman, Supreme Court Justice, admitted in the opinion that if this suggestion of personhood is established, the appellant's case, of course, collapses, for the fetus's right to life would then be guaranteed specifically by the 14th Amendment. So the question before you today, you be the judge. You're going to advise the Supreme Court. You're going to advise and reflect the court of the world, the supreme justice of all the world, God himself, the creator of life, for the God who gave us life also gave us liberty, we were told. You're going to be the judge. Is a so-called fetus a baby? Is it a person? How many women have realized they were pregnant. And they were so joyful that they were pregnant. And their husbands were joyful. And they were expecting. We said, we used the term expecting, right? We're expecting. What are we expecting? Are we expecting a mob of, uh, a mop of protoplasm? Are we expecting some blob of disconnected cells? What is it that we're expecting? Well, by definition, we're expecting a baby. And is a baby a person? How many women have suffered greatly, not because of an abortion, but because they use the term lost their baby? They lost their baby perhaps through no consequence, no cause of their own, and they were devastated. Both the husband and wife were devastated. Why were they devastated if this was not a person? If the baby was not a person, why are they devastated? Do you see the problem that we have when discussing abortion? We disconnect it from reality. We disconnect it from the rest of our lives where we tell the truth to one another, 
But when it comes time to want something other than what the truth may manifest, then all of a sudden we have to find ways to cleverly lie to ourselves. And that's what happened with Roe versus Wade in 1973. Interestingly, one of the Supreme Court justices today told the court that this decision, if they overturned Roe versus Wade, would leave a stench in the country. I thought it was that abortion and Roe versus Wade had already left a stench in the country. I mean, after all, when you consider the rotting corpses of 65 million babies intentionally killed by their parents, by their doctors, and oftentimes with the assistance of grandparents and even pastors, to me, that's the stench. How is that we would be so likely, Ms. Justice Sotomayor, be so likely to call the setting aside of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court leaving a stench when that actually causes life to emerge from a woman's womb? Whereas the abortion caused the stench of rotting corpses of 65 million babies executed violently by the decision or so-called choice of the mother. You can understand then why there were 375 women who filed an amicus that is friend of the court brief to let the court know about the harm that comes from abortion. One person said, when I ended that life, I ended my own. When I ended that life, I ended my own. We want to talk about all this here today on Viewpoint. This is a very big deal. It's a matter of, well, yes, life, death, and even destiny. Not just destiny of the children that would have been born, but the destiny of a nation that still claims to be a nation under God, but is far from it. In fact, we are one of the most wicked nations on the planet when it comes to killing our young. The only countries that I am aware of that equal or exceed America's viewpoint with regard to abortion are North Korea and China. I want you to think about that for a moment. Forty-two other nations that permit abortion have much, much, much more stringent limitations on abortion that line up almost precisely with the action that was taken by the state of Mississippi the case of which is brought now before the Supreme Court for decision. Mississippi is not outlawing abortion. It's just saying, look, there's got to be a line. There has to be a line somewhere where we at least make some sort of a reasonable decision as to whether or not we're going to even consider, regardless of whether it's true or not, whether we're even going to consider that there really is a life here to deal with. And so they decided 
to 15 weeks. 14, 15 weeks is the line. By that time, the baby is sufficiently developed and can have feelings. If it were ripped from its mother's womb, it would have feelings and pain. We're going to draw the line there. So instead of the line that was non-existent in the issue of Roe versus Wade, where abortion basically was unfettered. Mississippi says, no, we're going to draw the line at 14, 15 weeks. Is that reasonable? Is it right? Is it righteous? Life, death, death, and destiny are on the line. In more ways than one, friends, it's a supreme decision. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Was Roe versus Wade decided upon public sentiment, political correctness that was rising as early as the as 1973, or was it based upon the Constitution? Would you like to know the easy answer? It was not based upon the Constitution, because there was nothing in the Constitution that could even remotely be considered to apply to abortion. Nothing. And that's the reason why pro-abortionists are so fearful because they know in their hearts that Roe versus Wade was unrighteously and illegally decided. In other words, the United States Supreme Court that was charged with interpreting the law and the Constitution did neither. They made up a new law that had no foundation in the Constitution. And everybody knows it. So then why would Sonia Sotomayor say that the political stench that would linger if the court overturns Roe would be horrific? What's she talking about, the political stench? I thought that the issue of abortion had to do with the life of a baby, had to do with the life of a human being. I didn't realize that the fundamental issue was political. And the reality is that it is not. The fundamental issue is not political at all. It's been made to be political by those who wanted to drive the issue politically which was the Democratic Party, by and large. But in and of itself, it's not a political issue at all. It's a legal issue and a moral issue. So, Justice Sotomayor goes on to say, will this institution, that is the Supreme Court, survive the stench that this creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts? 
I don't see how it is possible, she complained. Well, that begged the question. The decision that was made by Justice Blackman back there in 1973 was a political decision made by the Supreme Court. It wasn't a legal decision at all. And therein lies the problem. So Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart, who is representing the state of Mississippi concerning this uh, now famous case that is presented before the Supreme Court for decision, says, I think the concern about appearing political makes it absolutely imperative that this court reach a decision well-grounded in the Constitution, which is exactly what the Supreme Court in 1973 did not do. So Justice Sotomayor tried to turn it into a religious argument. She said, how is your interest anything but a religious view? Well, it's not just a religious view. How do you determine law in the first place? On what basis are America's laws situated? Would you like to know where we get the foundation for America's laws? Two places. One, the Bible, starting with the Ten Commandments. And two, the English law. Those two sources. Have you ever been in the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, It's an awesome thing. You go in there, and you see the bench where the justices sit, and up above, high above, over their bench, are bas-relief declarations of the Ten Commandments. And Moses, the Ten Commandments. We've been trying to strip the Ten Commandments out of America's memory for 40 or 50 years now. Legal cases all over the place. Why? Because they're the foundation for American law, whether you realize it or not. If you want to call that religious, that's fine. But they weren't made up by human beings. They were given by the Creator. If you deny that there is a Creator, then essentially you've elevated yourself to the place of God and you've established your own self-centered religion. You now are God. So Justice Sotomayor is completely off base. She does not realize or understand the consequences of what she is saying, the ramifications of it, because essentially... By saying, well, if that's religious, then my decision is not religious. Oh, no, your decision is just as religious. Your decision is religiously to kill off those that you don't want. You are elevating yourself and your kin and your like and your political position and so on. You're elevating that to godhood. You now are privileged to take life in your own hands.
Perhaps you remember. Perhaps you remember in the Commonwealth of Virginia not too long ago. There was a case, a situation that came up, and it was a hot, hot issue. And Virginia's then-Governor Ralph Northam infamously argued for infanticide in a radio interview. And here's what he said. He said, if a child survived an abortion attempt, it would be kept comfortable if that's what the mother desired. And then there would be a discussion between the doctor and mother about whether the child would be allowed to live. Now, I want you to consider those words, allowed to live. That's the heart of the issue, allowed to live. Implicit in those words is that Ralph Northam, even as a medical doctor and pediatrician, was elevating himself to godhood. He was going to be the one to decide, together with other people, perhaps the parents, whether the child would be allowed to live, even though it was living. It was right out there on the table. It survived the abortion. It survived the attempted murder. And now it's laying on the table. So what would you make of it if somebody attempted to murder another person and it was unsuccessful? So the person that was they attempted to murder was laid out on a table, and the person that attempted the murder, together with their cronies that shared their viewpoint concerning that individual, made a decision as to whether to end the person's life, even though they survived the attempted murder. If you were a juror, what would you do? you wouldn't even think twice. You wouldn't have a delay of five minutes in making a decision as to guilt for that individual or the individuals that conspired together to kill a person who had survived an attempted murder. You wouldn't think twice about it. Why, then, are we so prone? How have we deceived ourselves By playing games with the words, how have we deceived ourselves into justifying or at least considering whether that option should be available for one group of human beings over another, particularly when that other is unable to defend him or herself? Think about it. You're listening to Viewpoint, by the way. Viewpoint does determine destiny. Here's what would happen. Here's what would happen if this particular case was supported by the Supreme Court rather than being uh, turned down as two previous appellate courts had done. Here's what would happen. There would be regulation of abortion 
that would then be the responsibility of the states. It would be completely taken out of the hands of the federal government. Why? Because it's not part, part or authorized by the Constitution to be part of the federal government's responsibilities. All of those things that aren't specifically stated in the Constitution are to be left to the states. So when people say, well, this is the overturning of Roe versus Wade, well, yes and no. It's not the overturning of abortion. It's just the overturning of the federal control, authorizing millions of women to kill their babies whenever they want and not call it murder. See, if we put another name on another label, abortion, then it becomes okay. If we call it what it really is, murder or killing or the taking of the life of another, then all of a sudden we get squeamish, don't we? So we put another label on it that we've decided to disconnect from morality, disconnect from law, disconnect from God, disconnect from our personal responsibilities so that we can justify it. This is how human beings think. This is how we're prone to think. That's why we're so easily deceived. So we have the liberal Stephen Breyer, who has advocated for abortion in the past, and he suggested that perhaps Roe versus Wade should remain the law simply because it was decided that way at that time. Really? You mean to tell me that if we have a disease, a horrific disease that comes upon us, say, in 1973, and we didn't really know how to deal with it, so we did something, uh, created some sort of vaccine or created something, and it didn't do the job, but because that's the decision that was made in 1973, we should never consider changing it, even though we finally discovered how to deal with that particular disease and knock it in the head. You see the foolishness of this kind of argument? The only reason Stephen Breyer as a justice would say something like that is he just doesn't want to stir in the pot. In other words, he wants to make it pure politics. Doesn't want to stir in the pot. Let sleeping dogs lie, so to speak. The problem is that sleeping dogs are not lying and children are dying. So, the attorney representing the state of Mississippi says Roe needs to be overturned because it's extraordinarily wrong. And he's right. It's interesting because the examiner, Washington Examiner, pointed out that another abortion supporter on the high court, remember the late Ruth Ginsburg? Remember her? She was a radical, liberal, feminist, and abortion supporter. But here's what she said. She called Roe, quote, difficult to justify, unquote. Did you hear that? In other words, she couldn't find any justification even as a radical liberal and an abortion favor to support Roe versus Wade. 
Amazing, isn't it? Roe versus Wade removed the issue of abortion from the democratic process. It created a new right to kill one's baby in the womb. In deciding that that case, Roe, Justice Harry Blackman and the Roe court did not care what sort of shoddy reasoning they needed to get there. They just did it. They just made it up out of whole cloth. That's where we are. Will we allow our children now to live or we will consign them to die? That's the decision. It's a supreme decision. You might pray about it. We'll be back after this with more. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Let's suppose that Jesus was the pastor of your church. And you are considering an abortion. Or your daughter, or your son-in-law, or whoever, they're, they're considering an abortion. And so you take them before your pastor, who happens to be Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What would you expect his decision to be? with regard to your inquiring as to the propriety of aborting the child. Hmm? When he said that I came to bring life and bring it more abundantly, and you want to take away life, what do you, what do you think his decision would be? Why then, my friend, would you go to your own pastor and expect him to give a different answer? Which so many Christians do, are, and have been doing. And the pastors have gone along with the game. To the point where African-American pastors have been led around by the nose by Planned Parenthood for 40 years to destroy their young unbelievable unforgivable fortunately we have a god who will forgive if we're repentant 
if we will really see things from his point of view, his viewpoint, because remember, viewpoint determines destiny. Are these viewpoints are not neutral. They're not, they're not just political. If you want to frame it as political, you're missing the point. That's how we re- avoid dealing with the real issue. The real issue is moral and spiritual. The moment we try to make it political is the moment we're trying to skate off of the truth and the reality from the way God sees it. And the reason, please listen carefully, the number one reason why professing Christians will opt for an abortion is because they have abandoned the fear of the Lord in their heart. They have no fear of the Lord. They might fear what other people think. They might fear what other people say. That used to be the case, but even that not much anymore. They've abandoned the fear of the Lord. And when you abandon the fear of the Lord in your life, whether it has to do with abortion, whether it has to do with uh, cheating on your income tax, it doesn't matter. When you abandon the fear of the Lord, anything can be approved. You can justify anything. Because you become your own God. You're not even concerned anymore about what God thinks. Yet what he thinks is the ultimate issue, isn't it? And this is why Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 7, he said, look, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. What was he talking about? He was talking about how people will justify how they want to live, how they want to act, what they want to do, the choices they want to make that are contrary to the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord, and they will choose the broad way that leads to destruction. And many will go therein, and that's exactly what's happening. How else can you explain 65 million babies executed by their parents and doctors and many at the behest of a pastor or a grandparent? In a nation that claims to be under God. No, we're not under God anymore. Not on your life. We're under our own godship, creating a god in our own image. And that's why we're in this trouble. And now, all of a sudden, after 48 years, this issue now is viable from a legal standpoint before the court, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. The Supreme Court in heaven's already decided the case long ago. Now it's human beings in the United States of America that will decide the destiny of America. Will they have the moral and spiritual compunction under the law 
to rule truthfully and honestly on this case? Or will they collapse in a heap of discouragement and political correctness? It's a supreme decision. Life, death, and destiny are on the line. Not just the lives of future children, but the life of the whole country. The destiny of the whole country. And how is it that we think that we should ask a question like Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia, who said we have to decide whether to allow them to live whether to allow them to live. Well, the other half of that coin is, or consign them to die. Let's be honest. The other half of that coin is, allow to live, consign to die. Now we have the, the honest picture. Now, the arguments the Supreme Court heard today over a case out of Mississippi where a new state law would limit abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, lowering the limit that is now vaguely called viability, which is considered to be 24 weeks. So it was lower, going to lower the limit by nine weeks. The lower abortion time period actually would move the U.S. away from the alignment with repressive nations like China and North Korea, which also use that same standard of 24 weeks. And into it, step with much into the rest of the civilized world. In other words, the United States has been outside the scope of the civilized world, 42 nations in the civilized world that authorize abortion. The United States has been the worst of the bunch, lined up equally with the wickedness and tyrannical nature of North Korea and China. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. There are just three lawyers that are involved here, that is, representing this before the court today. One, representing the state of Mississippi and the abortion clinic there. Uh, And essentially, there are two cases that are involved here, effectively, because Mississippi is asking the justices to overturn two seminal decisions, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. The, the decisions that say women have a constitutional right to abortion before a fetus is viable, whatever that means. See, viability hasn't really been defined. When would you say a, a fetus is viable? When would you say you're really pregnant? Is there any such thing as a partial pregnancy or an almost pregnant No, you either is or you ain't. If you're pregnant, you have a baby in your womb. If you're not pregnant, you don't have a baby in your womb. It's as simple as that, isn't it? If 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 you're pregnant and you're in your 12th week and somebody comes along and intentionally punches you in the belly and you lose that baby... What are you going to think? Oh, it's just a blob of protoplasm anyway. It doesn't matter. 
right? No, you're not going to think that way. You're going to be perhaps enraged because that which was precious to you, life, that was being created in your womb was destroyed unrighteously. The issue isn't whether it could feel pain. The issue is whether it was life. When does life begin then? It begins at fertilization. Simple. That's scientific, friends. That's scientific. All this other is gamesmanship in the name of science. Senator Lankford said it's a grand misnomer to think that if Supreme Court does end up repeating, uh, repealing the landmark 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, that that's going to stop abortions. He said it's not going to do that. It's just going to return the rulings on abortions to the states where abortion laws will vary and many will continue to allow procedures, such as the state of California or New York, where Abortions are a virtual religion. Langford went on to say, the United States is way behind on this issue of abortion. There are billions of people across the world in multiple countries of all different faiths and backgrounds that recognize the basic science of the when you look into a womb, that's a child. Even when you're dealing with a 15-week-old baby, he commented. This is a big deal. It's a supreme decision. Life, death, and destiny are on the line. Not only for future children, but for an entire nation. Can you see that? We'll be right back. This is Viewpoint. And Viewpoint, by the way, still determines destiny. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, today we're dealing with supreme decision, the decision of the United States Supreme Court, which probably will come out in June after hearing oral arguments and doing their research and putting their their uh, viewpoints together. And the nation will await on pins and needles their decision. It will be a decision for life or death. 
and whether for life or death, for destiny, not only of the young that are involved, but also of an entire nation. Thomas Jefferson made a statement. It's engraved on the Jefferson Memorial. And he wasn't exactly what you would call a strong Christian. He believed in Jesus, but he just didn't believe in the miracles. But he said this, Indeed I tremble when I consider that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Indeed I tremble when I consider that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. How long has God's justice been sleeping while he waited for America and Americans to live up to our motto, In God We Trust? Can you see how patient God has been? Oh, he's been allowing a whole lot of things to come against us. Small corrective judgments in the form of major things that have happened to us, whether they be natural disasters, things like that. We've had a lot of them in the past 30 years. So much so that Look Magazine had an article a number of years ago, Can America Weather Her Weather? Trying to figure out what's going on here. And it wasn't about climate change. Somehow, as Americans and as Christian Americans, even in the pulpits of America, we have lost the ability or the willing, willingness to see God for who he is. He's God. Over and over again, when he talked to Israel, he would say, I am God and there is none other. Come on, boys. Can't you understand? I am God. And he's saying that to America today. He's saying that to professing Christians today. I am God. Come on. Or as Joe Biden would say, come on, man. (laughs) God is saying, I'm God. When are we going to get it? Will the Supreme Court get it? Will our pastors get it? And it's not just regarding abortion. Abortion is just the fulcrum issue with regard to it's the symptom of our abandonment of the fear of the Lord in the land. It's not the primary issue. The primary issue is that we've abandoned the fear of the Lord. Abortion is just one of the symptoms. Fatherlessness is another one of the symptoms. Unwed pregnancy is another one of the symptoms. Violence is another one of the symptoms. They're not the primary issues, friends. And the more we want to keep looking at these symptoms as the primary issues, we use it as a device to hide from the real issue because we don't want to deal with it. We just don't fear God anymore. And so we're fearing man. Many conservatives 
political conservatives are awaiting the Supreme Court abortion arguments to bear fruition. Said we're asking the court in no uncertain terms to take to make history, said former president, Vice President Mike Pence. He said that in a speech in Washington. He said, we're asking the Supreme Court of the United States to overturn Roe versus Wade and restore the sanctity of life at the center of American law. The sanctity of life. The word sanctity is related to the word sanctification. It's a term that talks about aligning our lives with the holiness of God. In fact, the scripture talks about, uh, Paul prays, sanctify them holy. But, here is a statement that may be surprising to you, but here is what one supporter of Abortion has said about how we have gotten to this point where this decision could even be considered and made. Are you ready for this? Here's the statement. Excuse me, this is a a statement by the executive director of Wisconsin Right to Life, Heather Weininger. She said, if Roe were to be overturned or severely curtailed, it would be thanks to former President Donald Trump. Trump ran in 2016 promising to nominate justices who would overturn Roe, a pledge that helped him win the support of prominent evangelical leaders as well as other conservatives. Trump followed through, appointing three justices who transformed the court and opened the door the latest abortion right challenges, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. This is another reason why half of the nation was so violently, especially within the Democratic Party, so violently against Donald Trump. Because he stood regardless of how actually righteous he was in and of himself, certainly his past behavior has not shown him to be such a righteous man. Definitely not. But there seemed to have been some changes. Whether he was converted to Christ, I cannot, uh, some claim, I, I cannot assure you of that. Would not claim that. On the other hand, he made decisions that were righteous, many of them, and began to rectify situations that had become intractable in American life. Even to the carrying on by those in both the Republican and Democratic Party to carry this nation into a one-world order against our will. Donald Trump stood in the gap and said, no way, no how. We're going to make America great again. We're not, I am not going to lead a nation into a global government, he said. And they hated him for it with a purple passion. And they still do. 
They will do anything they can to keep him from re-entering the fray. But this isn't about Donald Trump. This is about truth. This is about a supreme decision. And if you listen to the news media, they will spin this into another fear factor for all of America and say that, uh, you know, this is all about depriving women of the ability to get an abortion. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's not about that at all. The states will make those decisions. This is about taking away from the federal government a power that was granted by the Supreme Court to the federal government that was unconstitutional in 1973 and to rectify a terrible error that was made in the law that could not be justified. That's all this is about. The media will try to spin it in many other ways. But this law, the Mississippi law, which was blocked by a federal court in May, bans most abortions at 15 weeks, at a point at which supposedly science says that babies are capable of feeling pain. The Supreme Court now will determine whether to strike down the law in Dobbs versus Jackson women's health. There are 42 countries, says the governor of Mississippi, 42 countries in Europe that allow elective abortions. 39 of those countries still have more strict limits on abortions than the state of Mississippi if its 15-week ban is upheld by the Supreme Court. Now, that's the truth. Anything else you hear in the news is nothing but spin and political deceit, commonly called lying through your teeth. You've been listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint determines destiny. We don't mess around here. Uh, We're here to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We're here to look at the truth and the issues of our time from God's eternal perspective, not from the Supreme Court's perspective, not from American culture's perspective, not from the conservative perspective or the liberal perspective, not the Republican Party's perspective or the Democrat Party's perspective. As Dr. Tony Evans once said, black pastor there in Dallas, he said, God is not going to come into Washington on the back of an elephant or a donkey. He's not going to come in to take sides. He's going to come in to take over. Do you really want Christ to return? Do you really want him to return and set things right and to judge the earth in righteousness? Hmm. If you do, you might want to seriously consider acquainting yourself afresh and anew with the nature of the fear of the Lord and why it's so important and how every single promise 
including salvation itself, is predicated on your walking in the fear of the Lord. And you can understand that through my book called The Secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord, the psalmist said, is with those who fear him. And to them, and them only, will he manifest his covenant. One of the main reasons why supposed Christians don't hear from God is because they don't fear him and they don't obey him. And God is not going to whisper his secrets in your ear. He's not going to direct your path and shed special light for you when you refuse to take the step that he's already shown you. The Secret of the Lord. It's a hardbound book, $20 book, yours for uh, $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's going to refresh you. It's going to help you to embrace the Word of God in purity and in righteousness and in truth and strengthen your faith. We need that in days like this, don't we? The secret of the Lord. On our website, saveus.org, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, and write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. While you're at it, you might want to consider getting Seduction of the Saints. How to stay pure in a world of deception. That's the world we live in, friends. That's the world. You don't want to be deceived. You don't want to be seduced. That's an $18 book. Yours for $15 on the website. Get those two together, and you'll save $3 in postage and handling. Thanks for joining us here. Become a partner. I'll tell you, uh, the opportunities are great, friends, to get the message out, but the laborers are few. I hope you will become one of them. Thanks for joining us. Become a blessing and pray for the Supreme Court now with this supreme decision that they have to make. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 